Okay, so today I'm going to talk about the love of God. What, what is the love that's in the heart of God? Now, you know the word love, and, and uh, the people watching by the internet, I, I can't do this in English. It's just, the, you must excuse me for a minute, I'll have to speak a bit of Afrikaans. You know, when we define words, um, the definition of a word changes as time goes on. And when we look at the word love, and what we think love is, it's different to what um, Paul understood by the word love, and what the Hebrew people understood by the word love. Obviously, obviously there will be some things that is, um, that, that's still real and true in our lives, but we need to define the word love. You know, what is love really? Um, and then we go and look at the Bible where it says, For God so loved the world and love is kind and you know love forgives and does not keep a grudge and all those all those kind of things so we'll have to define it it, it makes me think of the joke where um uh, and i want to just uh, explain the difference in the word um you know leaf you know like in om liefde to love afrikaans word is for 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 love is the word leaf of liefde so adam and eve they were Afrikaans people and um, so what happened was you know after they sinned they quickly got some fig leaves you know so Eve got the leaf and uh, she was walking and then they were still struggling with the knitting and stuff and the leaf fell on the ground and Adam came down and I fought blar and I said my frokie I get your leaf so leaf and leaf is not the same thing you know so uh, there's a different meaning to words uh, so we have to look at the definition of what love really is and especially the word love and I'm going to read from 1st John chapter 4 here it says beloved let us love one another for for love is of God and everyone that loves is born of God and knows God he that loves not knows not God and then one of the the, the, the greatest four words in the Bible for God is love. God is love. So I think in the measure we can define what love is, you'll understand God. For God is love. We don't see God as anger. We don't see God as anything else but love. He is love. He defines himself as love. And then the Bible says, um, in this was manifested the love of God towards us because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and gave His Son as the propitiation or the sacrifice for our sins. So, uh, love is not contained in your love for God. Love is contained and finds its origin in, in God and in how He loves you. The gospel of Jesus is not about how much you love God. Although it is a wonderful thing to partake in that love. And I would think that the gospel would be so empty if you could not love God or could not love others. Uh, since God is love and His plan was to have an offspring, uh, you will be born from love. And then what you are born from is what will be in you. You know, so if my children are born uh, from me or of me, then I will be in them. Uh, 
and they will share in how it feels to be me. Uh, the best way I can, if I look especially at my younger son, there's a lot of stuff that he does that's exactly like me. The best way for me to explain to him how I think and how I reason would be to have myself born in him. Now sometimes it's frustrating to see, you know, that he's like me. <laughs> like yesterday we looked for the keys of the car. Aubrey, uh, we had his 18th birthday party and then after, after everything now we're packing up and I said to Elena, I, I want to just get the car out of the street and park it, get it in the yard and uh, where's the key? No, the key's gone. So I thought, now I remember, you know, with all the cars and the servicing of the car, I had both keys. So I know the one key is inside the car, but the other one, we just drove and stopped there, so it must be in the house. So my youngest closed the key, the other key, because he went to get his cricket balls out of the back of the car, in the trunk. We didn't know that. Now sometimes he's like his dad, you see. So it's like frustrating to see some of that. But the best way I could explain to him how it feels to forget a key in the trunk is if it could be born in him. In the very same way, the best way for God to explain to you how it is to, to love is to create to create a being that functions exactly like him, put him in a place where he can have all the attributes or all the reason to love and then have that love born in him. That is the way God functions. That's going to become clear in the message. Let's look at the Greek definition here. Okay, by the way, the key, God is so good. Let me just finish the story. So um, I went last night, I thought, let me just see if one of the doors are open, but it's central locking, you know. So, glory to God, all the doors always lock. But this time, one door didn't lock. <laughs> so, I could open the door and get the key. Hallelujah. Okay. Right. The, um, let's, let's look at the, the, the science definition of the word love. It says, to welcome, to entertain, to be fond of, to love dearly, to be well pleased, or to be content with something. So here it says that when the Bible says for God so loved the world, it says for God so welcomed the world, God so entertained the world, God is so fond of the world, God so dearly loved the world, God is so pleased with the world, and God is so content with the world that He gave His Son. So God, and I, and I especially like uh, the word well pleased and the word content, Content there um, means to see no need to add anything. To see no need to add anything. That is what the word content means. It also means um, satisfaction without examination. To be content. God was so satisfied with the world that He saw no need to examine the world. That He gave His Son. Satisfaction without the need of examination. Isn't that powerful? That is the love of God. That is, so, this love, this, this satisfaction that is in the heart of God, to the point that He sees no need to examine you, must come from something. It can't just be there. You know, it, God is a relationship-orientated being. So if 
you see God for God loved the world God was so satisfied with the world he was so happy with the world he was so pleased with the world that he was willing to give his son to save the world from the death that the world was in we must realize God was not happy with the world dying but he's still happy with the world you know it's like my son you know or, or Helena or any person that that's close to you you're not happy as a matter of fact any person you're not happy with uh, if I look at, at my wife I wouldn't be happy if she gets hooked on drugs I would not be happy with that but my unhappiness is revealed in the it's actually an outflow of my revelation of how valuable she is and how beautiful she is and what kind of a being she is that my sadness doesn't find its origin in how bad she is but in the bad thing that's happening to somebody very precious so we've always had this thing for God so loved the world that we were just these worms and just a nothing that we couldn't even uh, uh, God could actually not love us there was no reason to love us and then he came and then he now loves us actually with reasonless love no reason to love us is there reason to love your child that's lost is there any reason to love a child that's lost of course even when he's lost you find love even coming more passionate coming forth in your heart because your child is lost and I think what happened in in our traditional understanding of love as God just loved this nothing is that we come to Christ we believe upon him we are grateful for our salvation but we still live with the mindset of we are just nothings and now we want, to enter, we want to enter into a relationship with a God that is a something. And you still sit with a subconscious mind, uh, uh, never wanting to accept and like what Ben says, let God. Allow me. We can't allow Him because we don't think we're worth it. It's like the definition of grace according to, um, I think it's the Amplified Bible says, unmerited favor which I don't believe I think it's a wrong definition it says grace is unmerited favor so in other words there's no merit in giving favor to your child that is deceived and got lost there's no merit in that no there's great merit what God gave us is not unmerited it was an action towards us in the passion that comes forth in his heart because of his valuable possession that God lost in saving somebody that's worth something why was only Jesus worthy to save us because of our awesome value only he could be worthy otherwise anything could be worthy yeah. worthy is the lamb worthy of what worthy is the only one that could qualify to get us back to where we really belong because if an angel would give his life we would be in the level of angel which is lower than us we are co-seated in the Godhead and God became a man 
you know, so that he could redeem man. Redeem means to buy back. If you buy something back, it means it was at a certain position before it, was, before it got lost or got sold. So now you're buying it back. So when Jesus redeemed mankind, He redeemed us unto the original place. And only Jesus was able to do that redemptive work. Only He could qualify. Only the purity of God, the, the eternal love and life of God could get us back to our original place. Amen. You see our worth? Amen. So here we see that love is literally to, to look at someone and be content. I've said this many times in church. I mean, when my children were born, they didn't have to do anything, you know, for me to be content with them. While they were still in their mother's womb, I was already fully satisfied with them. Before they could do anything, you know, like yesterday I said to Aubrey, I said, Aubrey, do your friends, fathers, do they give a speech at these parties, you know? Because I always want the opportunity to preach. <laughs> so he said, uh, no, they don't. <laughs> I mean, what I would have said is, I didn't say anything, but this what was on my heart. To just say, listen, my son, never in life do you ever have to do anything to impress me. You've already impressed me. You know? Just by being born, you've impressed me. You know, your value is unending to me. You are part of me. You know, you don't, if you never get a big job, if you never get anything, you know, I always love you. For your value is uh, who you are as a person, your personality, those kind of things, is what the tickle my heart, you know? It brings forth emotions of, I want to do something for the man. Now, the, the reason we are like that is because we are the very offspring of God. And that is how He feels. You know, so um, the love of God is not... We've always had this thing, and, and if you guys haven't listened to my teaching, if you watch by the internet, if you haven't listened to the teaching on the wrath of God that I preached the two previous Sundays, please get it. Please listen to it, that you can understand these things. We've had this concept about the love of God, that God was actually supposed to wring our necks, and then he didn't because he, and decided not to do it and then we call that love actually God would have but if it wasn't for Jesus then he would have definitely killed us so Jesus is actually the one that saved us from the Father so our problem is not even sin or anything according to the traditional teaching of the gospel our problem is actually the Father he's the one that wants to kill us the problem is not the devil, it's the Father. Yes, He's going to beat us, He's going to kill us. And now, thank God, the Bible says God loved us so much that He gave His Son. So He's, I'm going to kill them, but let me have a Son that helps me not to kill them. I don't, it just doesn't make sense. So, you know, it's not gospel sense. Here we see the Hebrew word, I've preached this before. Um, here I said... Um, the Hebrew is the word agab, which means to breathe after. It talks about sensual desire. We literally breathe after a woman or after somebody that you desire. It's the word, uh, uh, it's actually ahab, or you can say agab, where we get the Greek word agape from, which means to be content with or to love dearly. 
So we find in the Old Testament, uh, when they talk about the, the word love used in the New, when the Bible says, for God so loved the world, is the world that God has got as a husband, has got a desire for his wife, or vice versa, that passionate feeling. You know, because you are beholding beauty. You are beholding somebody that touches your heart so much that you want to be one with him. That is the word that, that describes what's in the heart of God towards every human being. Not just the church, but every human being. That is the passion and the emotion in the heart of God. Amen. Hallelujah. He breathes after you. He loses his breath over you. Webster's defined, I took Webster's and I made the Webster, Webster Brits definition of the word love. In a general sense, to be pleased with, to regard with affection, on account of some qualities which excite pleasing sensations or desires of gratification. So what does it say here? Big words, but very simple. It says that love is an affection that comes to the heart of a person that will empower him unto actions based on certain qualities which is so pleasing that it brings forth desires and gratification in the one that loves. So what it means is that when God loves the world, there was something in you that was touching the heart of God, there were some qualities in you that touched the heart of God in such a way that it brought forth a, a, a pleasing sensation and a desire of gratification when he was beholding the world. You see, our definition of love has changed. We don't understand the word love. The word love means to behold something that is so beautiful and so precious that passions, not just cognitive thoughts. The cognitive thought is born from the inner passion. First, it's a feeling. Who say my ma altijd, die liefde is blind, maar die buren nie. So, okay, love is blind, but the neighbor is not. So, in the very same way, you find when you, when you behold someone. I remember when I saw Helena for the very first time. You know, it was this, this thing. I said, oh God, you need to help me now. You know, because there's trouble. You know, it's, it's, this is a very pretty lady and I feel attractive, attracted to her. Why? Because, and this is what that love is. It's a, it's, now, from that feeling, you can have thoughts cognitive thoughts of let's buy a flower or let's run you know whatever thoughts are born from the feeling and the feeling is based on I am beholding something that is so pleasing to me that it's bringing uh, uh, Webster actually says animal kind of desire it's something that is so powerful in you you know that you feel that you, you almost lose reason because of this awesome, wonderful thing you are beholding. By this, I'm not saying that mankind was always saved. I'm just saying a very valuable being was lost. And what God wants to do is, man was lost in legalism, man was lost in having a wrong idea of who he is and how he functioned by the law system.
And God came to end the law system so that He could introduce you to you. And to who He really is. So that you can function the way you're supposed to function. And live the way you're supposed to live. And I'm not talking about actions here. I'm talking about function in your inner being. You're not supposed to live from the platform of obligation, guilt, and all those kind of things. You're supposed to live from the platform of full sat sat satisfaction, full acceptance, and a revelation of your kind, and that you're one with God, and that His life is your life. That's where we start. And Jesus came to end all the other things, to bring forth a platform from where a new life can be born. So, when we look at the love of God, we're looking at the regard, God regarding us affectionately on account of some great qualities that excited a pleasing sensation or desire of gratification in God when He was looking at you while you were a sinner. What does this mean? This means that your evil works and your wrong belief could never confuse God about who and what you are. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. God, when you believed the law, when Adam fell into the law system, and man died and death started to live in man God never forgot or got confused about who you are what you are and, and what potential you have and, and he never lost the, 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 the fact that you are the only God kind in existence with whom he can have quality fellowship he never lost it out of focus your actions never confused him. It confused you. It confused me. But not him. If a hundred rand note gets dirty, the dirt doesn't confuse us when it comes to the value of the money. It's still worth a hundred rand, even if it's dirty might be a dirty hundred rand and when you see the hundred rand or if it's a thousand rand you see it you see the pleasure that that can bring you you're not confused with how dirty it is nobody gets confused about that you can come to the shop with that hundred rand that's dirty they don't even care because they look at the value but we thought in our legalistic mind we were thinking and we were deceived into thinking that God is more worried about the dirt on the worth than the worth. God has never changed his mind. He's always been a worth-orientated being that cannot look at you in any other way. It also says here an affection of the mind that manifests in life excited by beauty and or worth of any kind or by the qualities of an object which communicate pleasure emotionally and or intellectually 
So what does this mean? It means that the love that's in, in God for us was His his mind being, being like came alive, basically. It, it means to, it, it was an affection in his mind and his heart. What does his affection mean? Excited by your beauty, by your worth, excited by your qualities, and it communicates pleasure to God emotionally and intellectually. That's the definition of love applied in the heart of God towards you. So in the heart of God, even if there is a sinner out there, you know, if I look at my life, if I look at Helena um, and I, my love for her, you know, you don't just think for now. You think of future. You think what, what I see here brings forth uh, satisfying thoughts uh, um, in my mind about our future. Things that makes me excited, that bless me. Because I see who and what she is and I see how we can flow together. And that is what God sees in the world. In the sinner, in the drug addict, in you, doesn't matter what you've done, he doesn't lose focus. And the whole gospel today, the message of grace, is to bring you back to that original focus. That you can see and believe what he sees and believes. So that you can have a life like his. Yes, amen. amen. You know, there's a person that, I, um, that wrote a book called... Uh, Nico, what's that book's name called? Uh, 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 something Grace. Extreme Grace. Is it Hyper Grace. Hyper Grace. I didn't know about this book. I just saw everybody, Hyper Grace, Hyper Grace. So then I saw somebody shared this thing with me on Facebook. I downloaded the book and started to read. And what I found is an ex extraordinary thing. Now this Hyper Grace book is a book that is geared against what I preach in this church. And what many other people preach about the love of God. It's called Hyper Grace. This is not too much. And then uh, a, a, a lot of bad things that grace people have said and done is put together and now put, and it's as if now look what the grace message does. The funny thing that I see is when people in a legalistic church sin, we say, look at the bad person. But when people in a grace church sin, they say, look at the bad message. Yeah. doesn't make sense and then I had to go and write on this doctor's wall and ask him a question and I asked him I said doctor please explain to me how is it possible that when people in your church beat their wives molest their children and are addicted to pornography it's them but when it's in my church or someone else's church it's the bad grace message he doesn't answer You see, this message of love, understanding what is in the heart of God when He saw you while you were a sinner, does not lead you to a licentious life where you just want to sin. It leads you to a place where your life is born from God's adoration for you. Where your life is born from the action that flowed from God because of what He could see in you, which was the giving of Jesus Christ and the ending of the law system. That is what it is. Glory to God. Love is opposed to hatred. Love between sexes is compounded is a compound affection consisting of esteem, kindness, 
or benevolence, kindness, um, and strong emotions. So what it says here is this a love relationship is compounded of all these wonderful things that flow from one person to the other because of the esteem that the one has for the other. <coughs> you see, love is the building block of God. He's, he's founded on love. He is love. He is a being that can only function from I see something that's worth something. And the revelation of worth excites my inner being unto actions. And in these actions we see as benevolence or kindness or he gave his son or he helps you with, when your car breaks or like the one door doesn't lock and you know those kind of things. Hallelujah! God loves me. Why do you say God loves me? No, because the door didn't lock. Okay, but let me tell you something. If you really want to know why God loves you is that which is in me, which He made, which is because of Him, excites Him unto the manifestation of these things. Herein is love, that He gave His Son as the perpetuation for our sins. Why? That we can also love. So he was so overwhelmed and with what he made. He, when he made man, he said it's good. When he made man and woman together, and he saw that these people can have what is true in the Trinity between each other, he said it's very good. It's very good. If God says it's good, it means he stands in awe of what was made. And when this lost its position, getting the minds completely polluted with a wrong belief, signing a contract with a death system, wherein we say, I'm not walking based on the value that's in the heart of God towards me, but I'll just walk in the, in the in inability. Then, God never lost his focus. Glory to God. We're going to look at two verses and end. Why are we so open to love? And why does love make sense to us? You know, if we preach like this, it makes sense. It makes sense. If, if It makes sense when we connect it to family life, you know, that, that I see something in my wife and what I see in her and what she sees in me excites her and then from that excitement we find actions born you know it, it makes absolute sense but when it comes to us and God it's almost as if can that also be true yes he calls you his father he calls you he calls him your father he calls him your husband The only way God relates to you is from the foundation of He is love. He is a being that cannot relate to you outside of your value. He stands in adoration of what He has made, which is you. Glory to God. Acts 17 clearly says, in Him, this is why we are so prone to to be touched by love. This is why true actions of love, if you take that, that Hoyt team that we've seen that movie so many times about the father carrying his son, you know, that is paralyzed doing that 
uh, Ironman competitions and with pushing him with, with that wheelchair kind of a thing and swimming with a boat and everything. It, it, it makes you cry. Why? Because you see the father sees a value in that son. You see that the father, the fact that the son is, is a cripple, cannot walk, can do nothing, you know, never got the father's attention away from who the son really is. We see those things and those things speak the language of our design. That's why it touches us. Yet traditionally we were not allowed to apply this towards God. Who is the source of all these things, who has made man to be beings that share in this life. Glory to God. Amen. In Him we live and move and have our being. That does not refer to uh, salvation. It refers to design. In Him we live and move and have our being. Our being is in God. If God is a being that functions from, I see worth, worth touches my heart, and that touching in my heart gives birth to something, guess what? That's the only way you can ever relate to God. Unless you can see God as someone who will, uh, uh, who will have great worth to you in the language of this, our design, you will never be able to love Him. It, you, you, ha, you, you were not made. You, it's not within your capability to love somebody with, with love, as it's defined here, outside of first seeing His value. First seeing something that's beautiful, that can draw you. Unless, and, and let me read this again, unless there is some qualities in God that excites pleasing sensations of gratification in you, you are not loving God. And I like the Ten Commandments fulfilled now in Christ. It says, you know, the one person said something about Ten Commandments which is beautiful. In the old it says, like the Afrikaans would say, you must do, you must love the Lord your God. King James says, thou shalt love the Lord your God. That's different between must and shall. Shall to me is, once I see the value of God, <laughs> I shall be drawn with strings of, his, of, 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 of or pricks of affection in my heart. You know, wherein I feel this emotion towards Him, which will be manifest, or will, which will give birth to certain actions that is in line with this inner uh, 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 connection, where I see who and what God really is. Unless your gospel brings forth a, a, a gospel a, 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 or paints a picture of a God that is flooded with benevolence or kindness or, or some good thing that can draw you and excite your mind to think good thoughts towards Him. You don't even have a gospel that originates from God. That's just simple logic. These things, I want to tell you, we need to understand before we read the Bible. For once you can understand these things, the Bible will make sense. Like I said before the service to somebody, you know, if you take the writings of Paul, there are many stuff that sounds very legalistic that Paul wrote. 
like for instance you should not do this wrong thing you must do that right thing you know and all those kind of things and even quotes from the law and then that is seen as such a platform from where we can have leverage to allow legalism again into the church things like you know we don't use the law for righteousness but the law is a good advice for a good life so in other words the law cannot make you righteous but the law can give you a good life so grace can't give you a good life so the love of God can't give you a good life what legalism is is taking away the power that produces the good works and selling the good works and telling people if you do the good works it means you've got the power that brought forth the good works it's just a lie it's described by the Apostle Paul let me first finish this before I came there the Apostle Paul in all his writings always laid the foundation that fruit is something that's born from God then he says go and do all these good things supposing that you understand where the good thing comes from from being loved by God and by seeing God in such a magnitude of a good person that it brings forth the very same quality that you are beholding the Apostle Paul came and called legalism it this way he says if you have love and you understand all these good things let me read it it says in 1st Corinthians 13 verse 1 though I speak with tongues of men and angels but have not love I became as a sounding brass and as a tinkling cymbal so you can do all these things yet not know how much God loves you so what you can do is you can speak with tongues of men and of angels and you do not have the persuasion in your heart that comes from beholding somebody that is attractive to you beautiful to you and you can you can do the right things out of a world's decision decision of your will willpower and is not born from affection that was born from beholding somebody that is beautiful I want to just hold this definition uh, to you again it says here to regard with affection on account of some qualities which excite pleasing sensations or desires of gratification you see we, if we take the old law where it says you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart all your mind and your neighbor as yourself and we take the shell not as a command but as a fruit when you are loved by God and you are open for that love and that love draws your heart you lured by his goodness by who he is how he never forgot your value you know you will find in your heart the very same thing comes to God you start to you start to see his value you start to see the qualities that excite pleasing sensations and desires in you of gratification towards God but the moment you get that revelation you will find that you stand in the presence of equals where your neighbor is an equal and you will feel the very same thing about him you know when I was as I get more and more knowledge of the good news and and are persuaded about the love of God when I look at people I don't look at him anymore on what he does there was a time when I would say okay I don't look at his work he's already forgiven but as this continue I start to look at him as what kind of being he is 
What kind of being? He is a being that's got the full ability to function from persuasion. He can also be drawn. His heart can also get excited should something beautiful is put before him. He's also a being that functions like God, that can have something born in him and live it towards others. You start to see their design and you start to see what it is that was in the heart of God when he looked at the world when the world was still lost. And even those that are still lost today, they don't believe this good news. I want to tell you, if you don't believe this, you're lost. Not lost in the sense of God sending you to hell. Let's forget that a bit. Let's have a different, different. You are lost. You will be lost in what you think. You'll be lost in your emotions of rejection. You'll be lost in the. Your life will die the death of the million things you need to do to have peace. Is this thing, and then this thing, and then this thing. And uh, like I spoke to my friends that's from Holland, you know, they say that some of the people in Holland, it's just like everything must have a method. And then you do the method, and it doesn't work. Then the problem is not with the method, but in my application of the method. So let's do it again. Or you come to the conclusion that I've got unbelief, and actually I'm rejected by God. Lost. C.S. Lewis said it this way, he said, to be lost, what he says, hell, the only way he can describe hell is not to have the ability to receive love and to love. That's hell. You, let me tell you this way, I'm not saying there's no hell. What I'm saying is, even if you are in heaven, and you cannot love someone and you cannot function like this where the beauty of someone else cannot touch you you are in hell in heaven although I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not love I am nothing now that is a very powerful word. If you say, I don't have love, but I can do all these things, you know, the, the Bible says, if you don't have love in you, and you can have all faith to move mountains, you are still nothing. It means, if God says, I am, which He is, and He exists, He exists, His existence is the passionate feeling that He has towards you. That's how He exists. He exists from the platform. Who God is, who God is in the Trinity, the existence that manifests there, the fact that He exists is, I am fully content with the Son. And the Son is fully content with me. I am drawn by the qualities that is in Him and He's drawn by the qualities in me. That is the very existence of God. And He has that towards you. That's how He exists. If that ends, God dies. And He has invited us to that kind of an existence. And it's impossible to manifest outside of first putting value before you. That's why the first thing Adam ever heard out of the mouth of God was a blessing. 
God made Adam from the dust of the earth and as Adam opened his eyes the Bible said and God blessed him Barak to speak well of so here is this machine you know made from mud that can function like me so let's activate it so that he can feel what it feels to have love and adoration and have all these wonderful feelings that excites him unto a new life and he gave him reason to live and he blessed him spoke well of him he gave him the breath of life he became alive but the fact that you are alive doesn't mean you live then he gave him the reason to be something and he spoke well of him and when Adam could see the well speaking of God it could influence his heart unto wow this is a good person God you know can't we just fellowship on a daily basis you know and he starts to live really live And though I bestow my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burnt, and have not love, it profits me nothing. If God could give His Son to the sinner out in the world, and He did not have an emotion of the intrinsic value of that person, it would profit Him nothing. And what is happening is, what the enemy did was, he came and painted the picture that we are just a nothing and that there was just a nothing in the heart of God to us he just felt to be good to rubbish and that's why we struggle to walk in love towards ourselves and others and God glory to God charity suffers long love suffers long and love is kind let me put it this way the love of God manifested that which you bring to the heart of God manifests long-suffering the value that is in a human and the whole Trinity system the family system that is in the Godhead of which man became part of in Christ okay those who believe it benefit from it those who don't die so here we find this wonderful platform and we see that what what was in man I don't say man is God I just say God sees your value and he sees what he's made he's the origin of it all and what he saw in you manifests in something called long-suffering not because you're a rubbish because you're a something love suffers long and love is kind kindness is and I'm gonna end off with this maybe I can do one one or two more I'll do two more kindness is the attribute of somebody that loves to contribute to the happiness of others my children you guys here has got a certain value to me and kindness is to see to say these people are so valuable I want to see them happy so let me do something that can bring forth happiness let me paint a picture of something that's so beautiful that it can bring forth happiness in them the stupidest thing to do would be to tell a being that's designed to function from beholding beauty and have that beauty bring forth attributes to tell that person be happy or you're going to go to hell do you guys understand what I'm saying 
You cannot say to somebody that's been designed to function from, you are good to him, you, are, you, you love him, and then my goodness towards him brings forth happiness. You cannot take that person, paint a picture of how he's going to go to hell if he's not happy and tell him, you better be happy. You know, it's like I went and, and, and got some compost and I overloaded my trailer completely. Normally it's very dry, but then it rained the previous day, so the compost was like half wet, so it, it was completely overloaded. But I went slowly with it, came home, and now we're putting this on the lawn. I want it to be very nice and green for my son's birthday party. So <clears throat> we put this on the lawn. And then the, the guy that works for me, he started to offload from the back. So I've, I've off-hooked it from the, the pickup, or the bucky, and now he's offloading. So the front is, became so heavy, because it's not balanced anymore, you know, that it broke the jockey wheel off. It's like a ton. You know, it's just like not balanced. It did something, you did something with it, that it was never designed for. In the very same way, we have not been designed. It's not part of what we inherited in our in, 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 in being an offspring, the offspring of God. It's not part of our design to have fear placed in front of us and then produce the attributes that can only be produced by adoring something. And then we wonder why we die. In the name of Jesus in church. Because the picture that's in front of us can never produce love. I love what it says here. Love suffers long and love is kind. The envy is not. Doesn't parade itself. Is not puffed up. Love does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. God, love, true love, can never rejoice in somebody trying to find his value and his life outside of being loved. He cannot rejoice in that. Iniquity. You know, to stand under legalism. That's what it means. To find your definition outside of one loving you. Of one being good to you. That is iniquity. It was in the heart of Satan finding his definition in what he does. Instead of who and what he is based on what... On, on, on the Creator. God, the love, true love, does not rejoice in that. But it only rejoices in the truth, who you really are, in Christ. And then I love this, the end, it says, it never fails, never ends. For it to end, God has to die. You are deeply loved by God. Not with no reason. It's easy to love you. The wonderful thing is, you know, we've, I thank the scripture, I thank God for the scripture that says, for God so loved the world, placed all the goodness on God. But let's take His goodness further. Why could He act that way? Because of what He created in us. We're not just a nothing. You're a something. And there's a reason for God to love you. It's easy to love you. And what was in you was so big. What was in you based on what He made 
his deposit in you was so great that he said let me redeem them by taking away all that could ever clog their minds and he ended the law legally so that we can on a legal platform stand in front of a God and we can look into the mirror which is the glory of God and we behold our own faces in a mirror and the Bible says and then as we look into the mirror we look into his goodness we look into his value we look into who he really is and we see that as in a mirror we are changed our image on this world is changed how we live in this world is changed from the glory of the law where we had to do to become to the glory of I behold what I am and we find as by the Holy Spirit not our works he gives birth to who he is in us by the simple family system glory to God I don't want to you know I'm thinking of I'm, I'm ending off for a third time it makes me think of the guy that um, that went to listen to a philosopher Christian philosopher and as he you know the, the guy said you know I'm ending off and just the last verse and my last note and my last this and my last that and after two hours the, somebody stood up and walked out you know and the, the usher said to him why are you going out he says you know I've got a I, um, I've got I must go and have a haircut he says uh, couldn't you have done that before the service he says no I didn't need it before the service <laughs> <clears throat> so I don't want to go there know this you are deeply loved by God let's appreciate him for he first appreciate us let us love him for he first loved us let us be open for love let us love one another what does that mean it doesn't mean now go and try and do good it means see the other person for who he is that it can bring forth something in your heart you know and we can only see that in what Jesus done, has done for us God all the glory let's pray Father I want to thank you so much for your unconditional love your mercy your grace your goodness that you have shown towards us thank you God that what you have in love has existed long before time uh, it has always been and that is who and what you are you exist from these passions and these feelings of beholding value and all those kind of things and that we have come to have an existence with you thank you Lord that you have given us the opportunity to share in this life thank you Lord that when we look at your awesome goodness it is not just a potential goodness it is something that we can when we look at your design it's not like window shopping it, 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 it is uh, it is the introduction uh, to what you've done for us and who we really are and thank you that faith can rise in our hearts we can believe this and so be saved from the lie Thank you, Father, that your love empowers us to preach this gospel to people all over the world. To be generous, to be kind. It's born from you. We have come to share in your life. Thank you when the enemy came to steal this. You came and restored it and you're introducing us to this now. And we can believe and so be saved. Amen and amen. Thank you so much. God bless. Please get that book. You know, the, the, the book, what the book is actually about is it just goes scripturally through everything where we talk about how innocent man is and how we are born from that innocence. This will really help you in understanding verse by verse. 
you know, how everything works and will it will help you to explain to others, you know, what this gospel is. We'll just give a good foundation. Amen. God bless. Thank you guys.